Hello, Pistons fans, and welcome to another episode of the Buffs on Podcast. We are the best POD in the 313. We got a full house today. I'm back. The Heinemann brothers are here, and Mike is back. So we got a full house, and we got some debates for you guys. So we're a little bit on a time constraint here, so we're going to hop straight into this. Uh, the first topic I got for you guys, and Mike and Valley are the first two on my screen, then Gabe, and then Connie. So we'll go in that order. We'll start with this. Who would you rather keep around long term, James Wiseman or Marvin Bagley? You know, I was actually pondering on this for for quite a while because they have a pretty similar style to their game. You know, they both aren't great jump shooters, certainly not efficient, and they both like scoring in the post and dunking the basketball. So it was kind of tough to choose for me. But, you know, Marvin Bagley in his last three games has shot five for nine from deep. Yes, it's a small sample size, but he's looked a little more comfortable, especially in the catch and shoot situations. Um, saw him hits him in the corner, which would be a nice place for him to hang out. But just in his last five in general, he's about 16 points a game, seven, seven rebounds, which is pretty darn good production, um, especially starting alongside Wiseman now. Another big taking like rebounds away, uh, a few buckets down low away, and Duran's great play. Um, and, you know, his defense is, is always something you can kind of have a knock at. But since he's returned from that initial injury, he has been a bit better. Um, maybe I think it's slightly fallen off in these last few games or so. Um, but the thing is you can't you can't knock him out that when you're when you're choosing between him and Wiseman who who offers near nothing on the defensive end as well. So for that reason, long term, I'm gonna go Marvin Bagley on this team. Ooh, coming out the gate hot. Mike, you got anything to add? Yeah, I got something to add. You know, I'll be real here at the I mean, at the end of the day, I, I'm let's pick neither, you know. I mean, at the end of the day. When we're talking long, long term, you know, when uh, Ivy, Cade, the uh, Duran, all these big guys that are supporting for our team are on these contracts. I just don't you see know, any of these guys fitting on the on this team. You know, we got we're going to be heavy on the on the uh, the big men position, and I don't think Wiseman is not going to fit. Doesn't really fit. I don't see him fitting right now at the starting role. Maybe he can fit off the bench. But if I had to pick one, I'd pick Wiseman. Maybe if he finds a role off the bench and he starts barking a little bit more on the court, gets more aggressive, plays better defense. That's the only way I can see him potentially being here long term. But in general, you're saying neither. Yeah, like if it, if it, come on, if, let's be real here. At the end of the day, neither. I mean, long for long term, neither. Hundred percent. So you'd you'd rather roll with Stu and Dern for the future. That's it. One thousand percent, and then maybe grab like a like an old veteran that that can just that kind of just bend in those playoff situations and can bring that veteran presence for these young young centers that we have. You know, I know the perfect guy. He's still young. He's got a World Series ring. Um, you may know him, James Wiseman. <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. Uh, I can see that though. I can see that that neither will end up on this team in the long term. Uh, Gabe, who do you got, James Wiseman or Marvin Beck? Well, like Mike, I'm not too high on either of these guys long term. But when you take into consideration a backup position for James Wiseman, I can see him being a perfect spot starter, backup big against those huge teams in the East. Also, I think Bagley will be out of the league before this contract is up. (laughs) <laughs> so that's just part of long-term, you know, Wiseman has is younger. He has a future in this league. He has more 
Like, they both aren't very smart and defensively gifted, but Wiseman has more tools to just stand there and be tall than Bagley does. They're both athletic. And most importantly, Weaver believes in Wiseman. Like, I know he paid Bagley, but that can be used as a trade chip. We need some salary on this team. And I want to see my real answer will be, ask me 15 games into next season when Cade plays with Wiseman. And then we'll know. You can't judge him with Killian as the point guard. So until then, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt, and I want to see him here long term. My favorite part about all that is you said a guy whose last name has the word wise in it. You said he's not smart. That's my favorite part. Uh, Connie, <laughs> who do you got? Uh, I mean, I think it's a little bit of a toss-up, but if I had to go one way, I would I would definitely go with Wiseman. Uh, I know Valley brought up some of those shooting stats uh, that Marvin Bagley has been hitting some threes, but I trust the Wiseman jump shot, uh, not just from three-point, but from mid-range and different levels much more than I do the Bagley jump shot. And uh, if all else fails, jump shooting is a pretty good thing to fall back on. Uh, another good thing to fall back on, like Gabe said, is tools uh, being fucking like, if they, like they're pretty much the same player. But Wiseman is like four inches taller with like an eight inch longer wingspan. Um, he is not the smartest of players, uh, like basketball IQ wise. I obviously can't speak to him as a person, um, but I feel like it's been improving. Like just little things, just small little things, like not bringing the ball down as much. He makes a cross court pass every once in a while to a shooter. Um, where Bagley, I swear, just like once the ball touches his hands, shit's going up or it's turning over. You know, like there's you you gotta you'd you'd have to kill him to get the ball out of out, out of out of Marvin Bagley's hands. And I think Wiseman is a little more willing to to do it, especially when he is fed first. He's a little bit more willing to feed back. Um, I think he's better defensively than a lot of people say. Uh, I'm a little bit higher on that just because he is like really long. And does contest shots. There's there's um there's discipline stuff that needs to be worked out, but it might it might not be worked out, but it has the opportunity to be worked out. Whereas Marvin Bagley is just like is just a bad defender. Like all his instincts <laughs> defense are like wrong. Like I don't know. One uh, more quick thing on Wiseman. Sorry. Yeah. Like you said uh, you see it improving slowly, Connie. Yeah. He hasn't played a lot of basketball. He didn't play. He played, what, like half a season at most at Memphis, set out the rest of the year, didn't play in Golden State. This is his first real run of basketball. Like, even not playing college, that's where you learn, like, how to play basketball. So that's why I think with the summer behind him, with Cade next to him, I think he can potentially turn to be a good player. I'm with yeah. you guys. I think James Wiseman takes the case on this one. I like Marvin. I like what he's shown recently. But if I had to pick one of the two for the long term, obviously, like Connie said, he's basically the same player as Bagley, but he's taller and longer. So I'm taking Wise with that one. I'm with you there too, Connie. I think his jump shot, I'm a little bit more of a believer in that Wiseman jump shot. And yes, I agree again that he's not as bad as everyone says. He's, you know, got a long way to go. But I, I'm, I'm taking Wiseman over Marvin Bagley. So I got to disagree with Gabe. I don't think Bagley is going to be out of the league, though. 
Like Begley is still a skilled like scorer and play finisher that he'll stick around at this some capacity. Yeah, I can he, agree with that. I, I don't think he's gonna be gone, gone, but he he's gonna have a he needs to be like in the right spot. I don't know where that is though. It might be here with Kate, honestly, with a good point guard. It might be. I mean, the way I was thinking about it was like, if we think about this, right? I've kind of seen some Killian Wiseman connection. I've kind of seen, and we've seen the Marvin Cade connection, and we're obviously seeing the Jaden Dern connection. So we got three guards, we got three bigs, and each set of two is, you know, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I I just thought that was interesting. I kind of had that idea. We want Uh, three guards for long. Yeah. All right, buddy. Take a lot, of, lot of unnecessary shots at my guy. Killing <laughs> what is the? What is the? We're not even doing that, man. What is the Wiseman Hayes connection that you've been seeing? Because I feel like I've been seeing the opposite. I, 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 saw it, I, I mean, I feel like Killian tries to give the ball to Wiseman a lot. That's what I mean by connection. They're still figuring each other out in the type of passes. Like Killian's had how many opportunities to lob, but he doesn't. He goes for the stupid bounce pass on the break, which I annoys the crap out of me. But I feel like he keeps he he's consciously trying to get the ball to James. It's 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 he always Killian bouncing it down to him down low. Um, and you had mentioned Marvin's not that great of a passer, but I remember this one play. Uh, he he got it down to Wiseman, so it was like, oh, I didn't realize Bagley had that kind of touch. Um, but any other thoughts on Wiseman or Bagley? We're staying away from Killian. Wiseman or Bagley? Before we move forward. Yeah, I'd like to ch- chime in here. I, I mean, Fire. just one final thing about. Wiseman, man. I'm, I'll be honest with you. At the end of the day, guys, uh, champion comes off, gets a second chance, gets the golden ticket to start over Duran. And I just like, is it me or is the guy just like not pulling? I feel like he's not putting a hundred percent of it in. I feel like the guy's fouling all the time. He's late. He he gets in foul trouble a lot. Mm-hmm. I just feel like he's just not playing like a dog. He he comes he comes in Detroit with a perfect opportunity, and I just don't think he's taking full advantage of it, and it's crazy to me. Oh yeah, go ahead, Gabe. No, I, I just agree. That's all. Oh okay, yeah. I, I mean, I see where you guys are coming from. I definitely see it, but I mean, I think I said it a few games after we got him. He doesn't have that look in his eye yet. I'm still waiting to see it. Uh, but we'll see where it comes from. Yeah. He's got it's the remaining. It was yeah. said before already. Like it's just so hard to judge both of these guys without like they're both play finishers and there's no play starters on this team. Like there's no competent point, no consistently competent point guard play on this team from anybody. And for to be bigs who are down low and are really reliant on other guys, it's 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 tough to say that they're not like taking the opportunity because there's not like there is an opportunity, but there isn't. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and not that they're getting are not the ones that they usually would get. And to avoid you from getting flamed, you mean there's no point guard on this team without Kane? Yeah, no. Playing this <laughs> like that's the thing. Like next year, this clears up. Like Gabe said, fifteen fifteen games in the next year, this is going to be a whole lot clearer because that's when like we have consistent good point guard play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, and uh, and Gabe, I'm going to fight back to your comment on no three guards from like two minutes ago. What if we draft Scoop? Then what? Then we have four. So take that. Then we that. have three. Yeah, you're right. Oh, all right, buddy. All right, all right. I shouldn't have done that. Well, keep going. Uh, next one we got here is uh, Eugene Omarui or RJ Hampton. We'll go reverse order this time. We'll go Connie, Gabe, and then Mike and Valley to finish it off. 
So, Connie, who are you taking, Eugene or RJ Hampton? Uh, this might be a little controversial because, uh, you know, a lot of love for this guy on this team right now, but I'm going with RJ Hampton. Ooh. Uh, I know we love all love how Eugene hustles and works and is a pretty big guy, pretty stocky. He seems to make the right play, but uh, you know what you need to do as a wing in the NBA is you need to shoot the ball. Uh, this team is also already has like a stark lack of shooting and Eugene shooting 22% from the three point line is, uh, is not helping out. Uh, he's also 25 years old, which is a little older. So you don't really like count on that much more improvement out of the guy. Uh, like I wouldn't mind keeping him as like an end of bench piece, but I think the guy with the more legitimate future is, uh, is RJ Hampton. He started really slow for us. Like, those first couple games, he was disgusting. But he has, like, sort of come on. He's hit some big three-pointers, some of those buzzer beaters. And, like, he is also, like, a he's a good defensive guard. Like, he's long. He's rangy. He, he can play those passing lanes. He can strip a guy straight up. Um, and he also shoots a three. Like, in March, in these 12 games in March, so he played two games with us in, in February where he did not score and shot one for six. So if we throw that out and we go just to March where he's just under 20, 20 minutes a game, he's eight points, two boards, one assist, and he's shooting 40% from the three-point line on 15 for 37. So that's over, that's over three attempts a game. Uh, and that's just sort of the kind of like – Neither of these guys on, like, if the Pistons are a good team are going to be, like, consistent rotation players, I don't think. But RJ Hampton is the sort of guy that you can throw in uh, and, like, throw in in spots. He could be the third guard. He could play the wing at sometimes. He is just, like, <clears throat> he's a long, smooth athlete. And, um, yeah, and with his age only being 21, uh, 22, sorry, uh, I, I would just take him over Eugene. I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw a um an on the fly one at you. Hamadou Diallo or RJ Hampton? Hamadou Diallo. Okay. All right. I was just kidding. Hamadou Diallo showed so much this season. Hami like Hami yeah. is like legitimately good. Yeah. Yeah. I I hope we keep him around for the long term. Gabe, who do you got? Eugene Omarui or RJ Hampton? Well, you know, we talked a little bit before the pod and I was on the Camp Eugene uh team, I guess. But I think Connie convinced me I'm team RJ now. Uh, oh, boy, he's converted. <laughs> yeah, uh, I can see kind of the vision of him being a bench piece with Burks, Livers, RJ, kind of a wing guard rotation. The only – the thing I like about Eugene is he doesn't hurt you, right? He'll hustle. He'll play amazing defense. RJ Hampton has those stupid turnovers where he'll just kind of like – not know what he's doing. Eugene is just a solid player, which like you can put in for 10 minutes and he'll be, I don't know, plus minus zero, but he won't give up turnovers and points on the other end. But through upside and from age, I can see RJ being the more valuable piece. But again, I want to see how he looks when he doesn't have the ball in his hands and is just a spot up shooter. Yeah, that would be interesting to see. Uh, I'm still leaning a little bit towards RJ, but I love, like Gabe said, how 
Eugene's not that big of a minus on the floor in terms of he doesn't do too many dumb things. Uh, Mike and Valley finish us off with Eugene or RJ Hampton. For me personally, this was kind of a no-brainer in the opposite direction. I thought just simply off the eye test, Eugene has proven a lot more to me than RJ Hampton. I, I do see the case that you made, Connor. You, you did do a good job persuading the crowd. Um, I didn't know he shot the ball that well from deep, because honestly, and that's just from looking at his game. But there's times he is out there, and I'm saying, why is he out there? What's he doing? He's playing next to two of our other guards. What's the point of having him out there? Um, he's been an inconsistent shooter, as shown, you know, in Milwaukee for uh, against Milwaukee, for example. Um, and then, you know, to bring up what Gabe said about Eugene, how he never hurts you. That's a, a very important thing to have. And I think, you know, like you said as well, like none, none of these guys are going to really realistically be in the rotation in the long term, in the long term, or at least when we're a good team. But talk about throwing a, a guy who can just be thrown out there. I think Eugene Marui is absolutely perfect for that, um, for those services. He can guard probably about three, you know, a lot of wings and some bigger guys, and he can hang with guards, uh, rotates really, really well. Has shown some promise to shoot the three, although that's fallen off a little bit. Um, you know, but things off the box score, um, the hustle stats, you know, diving on the floor for loose balls, you know, he's just always hustling, always doing good things. For me, this was an absolute no-brainer. I was honestly a bit surprised to see the uh, how much you, you guys are favoring RJ Hampton. Mike, you want to try to save uh, Eugene, or are you taking uh, hopping on the RJ train? Well, there's one obvious choice. It's a clear no-brainer, Eugene. I mean, Connie, <laughs> I don't know what, what you're seeing, but RJ Hampton blows. He... He's the, I mean, he's going to be out of the league. I guarantee it. Eugene's that guy that, I mean, both these guys at the end of the day, if we're continuing extending their contract for next year, they're going to be like the 12th or the 13th player on that team. They're going to be playing the most minutes if we're down on injuries and we need some guys. At the end of the day, you need Eugene for that defense, that dog mentality. You're going to get the the most energy from him, which I think you need especially coming off the bench. R.J. Hampton sometimes struggles on the defensive side, and he, you know, and at the end of the day, I, I just don't think R.J. He has more downfalls than Eugene. You just need a guy that you can just rely on on the defensive end. He doesn't even need to shoot that much. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's a no-brainer. Eugene needs to be on that team. We need uh, – Connie, I just – I don't know. I think you're foolish for picking R.J. Hampton. Ooh, we got a debate going here. Connie, you want to fight back? Yeah, I mean, foolish, I think, is a strong term because both of these guys are either going to be sitting on the end of the bench next year or not playing. Uh, yesterday doesn't hurt you, but, like, when games really matter, what hurts you is spacing. Like, when – okay, all these games mean nothing, and teams don't really try that hard against us anyway. But, like, say we're in a playoff atmosphere and you put Eugene out there, and his man sinks 15 feet off of him. And he's still shooting 20%. Like, you say that that would hurt you. That would hurt you without it. He could do all the right yeah. things, and he would still hurt you just because he can't shoot. But in a playoff series. I would agree that RJ Hampton is a very mistake-prone player. But um, you know who else is a mistake-prone player? And I've heard excuses after excuses. Yeah, but I, I don't want to get here and get, and get sidetracked, you know. Because I think Eugene is a guy that's not going to play 15, more than 10 minutes in a playoff series. 
Um, I don't think RJ Hampton in the playoffs, is are, are people realistically going to be guarding RJ Hampton? I, I've not seen a large enough sample size to make him a legitimate threat as a shooter. And on top of that, the ball has to be in his hands. So he's going to be inefficient and make those stupid mistakes. In the if you had time, to, I would disagree. Play. I feel like the ball does not have like, – when RJ plays, it does not – You just stick. said he's, 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 he's prone to making errors. He's prone to making mistakes. That doesn't – like, but the ball doesn't have to – like, it doesn't glue to his hands when he's on the court. No, I'm not saying glue. I mean, like, turnovers. Like, you know – Hey. He's gonna lose the ball a lot in the in the playoffs because the ball's got to be in his hands more than Eugene. If both those players had ten minutes max, ten minutes max in a playoff game, you would rather pick Eugene because they're not gonna they won't they'll have less time to shoot, so you don't have to worry about Eugene shooting that much. You just get that energy, that ten minutes of energy. It's, it's not about shooting. It's not. It's it's as much. It's as much about hitting the shot as it is the other team knowing that you can hit the shot. Like, if they guard you like a non-shooter, it's done. Like, your offense doesn't work anymore. Like, look, both of these guys are not that good in the end of the day. But, like, I don't know. Let's see RJ when he's – like, compare these guys when they're 25. Is RJ still making the same errors? I don't know. Couldn't say. But uh, there's age, age is on Hampton's side in this, in this contest. I love how the most heated debate we've had to this point is Eugene Omarui versus RJ Hampton. We coming out with bangers, boys. Let's we're keep the bangers rolling, sick. though. We're sickos. We're sick, sick Pistons fans that care just, way too much about this. Just wait till the fans hear the next topic. Yeah, man. yeah just, we're about to prove it. That's what I'm saying. All right, guys, get ready. Here we go. Kojo versus Rodney McGruder. Who would you rather have on this team moving forward? We started with Connie last time, so we're going to start with the duo of Mike and Valley for this one. Yeah, I, I took Rodney Magruder here. Um, it kind of hurt for me picking between one of these guys um, when it came down to it because both of these guys have been here for the rough parts. You know, and Corey Joseph has a really good relationship with Dwayne Casey. You look at Magruder, he's got a really strong relationship with Troy Weaver. Those guys go way back. Um, but when Magruder has played, he shot over the season, he shot 42.3% from deep. That's a really good number. I'm not saying that's a number that can be replicated over, you know, if he's a consistent player in the rotation for even 60 games. But we've seen a decent amount of Magruder as of late, and it's it's come with with good experiences. Um, another guy that talked about working hard, he works hard, never complains. If that guy is, sits on the end of the bench all season, you won't hear him say a single thing bad about the team, um, which is, you know, something you value, um, having good veteran leadership like that. Um, so because he's, you know, has the reputation as well of being a hustler um, and is a good three-point shooter, a good veteran presence. I had to say sorry, Corey Joseph, because I'm going with Rodney Magruder if it came down to it. Dwayne Casey is going to hate you for that. Mike, who do you have? Neither. Let's move on. Gabe, who do you got, Rodney or Kojo? For me, this comes down to who's the better basketball player. A crazy concept. But uh, they're both great locker room guys. They're both beloved by the team, the coaching staff, the front office. But when you play Rodney McRuder, he gets buckets. He's a legitimate player in this league. I think he could be playing on a contending team as their like eighth man. He does. He's just a good player. So I want to keep him on the bench. And like you know, if say Diallo's sick, Livers is injured. Ivy's injured, whatever, you can start him. Like, he's not going to do great, but he'll, he can drop 15 points, 
three threes, four threes, and uh, junkyard some offensive rebounds. That's just the type of player he is. He's like a Eugene Omarui, but like good and smaller. He's just the scavenger, man. That's who he is. Yeah, he's the scavenger. That's his nickname from his Miami days, you know. That's for a good reason. Yeah, it, it fits him perfectly. And, you know, like Gabe said, I, like we're all probably going to say when we talk about Rodney, you know, like you said, Valley, if you play 60 minutes or 60 games a year, we don't know if that uh, the numbers are going to be the same. But if we're playing Rodney Magruder 60 games out of the year, I think we get an entirely different problem. But if we're going to have Rodney on this team, and he's going to come in and do what he's done this year and last year. I'm perfectly fine having Rod. Uh, round us out, Connie. You going Kojo or Rodney? I got to, since nobody has put his name out yet, I got to defend my guy, Corey Joseph. Um, real quick before I defend him, though, I have to uh, just to give a hand to both of these guys for staying ready. Like, these guys could not play for, like, 10 games straight, hop out, and look like they've been playing the whole time. Like, Corey Joseph didn't play more than like five games these last couple months. He comes out in March. He's played every game and he's averaging 12 a game and shooting 47% for three. Like both of these guys, they just, they stay ready. And um, like you said, they seem like both like beloved bench guys. Um, So I don't think there's a real discerning factor between these two, except that I think Corey Joseph in his sort of break in case of emergency role is more important the role is more important than Rodney McGruder's breaking case of emergency like wings can be filled in with more different sort of guys like you can play a bigger wing you can play a smaller wing but point guards are just kind of point guards and like we've seen this year like if if Cade goes down the point guard play is not fantastic and sometimes the point guard play is like downright atrocious like Ivy and <laughs> I said, I said, I'm Valley keeps getting mad at me because I've been hating a little too much. But uh, the point guard playing this team is sometimes like really, really ugly, where it's like possessions in a row where the, t- the team's offense is just like utterly incompetent. And those are the times where you got to bust out some Corey Joseph. And he comes out there, he dribbles a lot, he hits a couple threes, and he's not bad. Neither of these guys are bad. Uh, I disagree that McGruder could be playing rotation minutes on a, on a contender. Um, I'm not sure that's true. Uh, he could be playing end of bench minutes, though. Rodney McGruder could play end of bench minutes on any team in this league. Uh, but I think the role that Corey Joseph has is a little more valuable to, to this team. And that's why I got to say, I got to go with Kojo. Go. With- I just want to chime in real quick on on the importance of, of their presence. Um, there was a great write-up by James Edwards recently on Rodney Magruder on The Athletic. Mm-hmm. And there's apparently only two players. It's a competition between two players every single morning on who gets in the gym first. It's Jaden Ivey and it's Rodney Magruder. And Jaden Ivey this whole time has, an exception of one or two games, has been the starting point guard so much of the season has been about Jaden and with good reason. He's, he's shown worthy of that. But Magruder has never been playing. There was a long time he was not even getting minutes or not even dressed up. But he stayed ready working that whole time. And that just spreads around the locker room, in my opinion, which is, you know, to further add on to the reason why I'd want to bring him back around. Mike, after hearing everybody's arguments, are you still on the neither train? Um, at the end of the day, yeah. I, I like I, I don't mind Rodney because of his shooting and we need shooting. But at the end of the day, I mean, come on. I mean, when we're a six seed, fifth seed, I at the end of the day, I just don't see any of these guys playing. I mean, we get 
we're we have so much young talent coming up and it just I, I just think it's a cycle and I just don't think these guys are going to be here in like three four years but like for this year like I I think Rodney's really good for his shooting and like uh Valley said you you always like locker room presence and locker room, locker room leaders and Rodney's clearly one of those guys 100 percent all right, we, we saved the best for last year. I'm hoping that you guys start yelling at each other because that's what the people want. For this one, it's about everyone's favorite, Dwayne Casey. Uh, does Dwayne Casey stay in the head coaching position? Does Dwayne Casey move to a front office position? Or does Dwayne Casey move on from the organization entirely? Uh, Gabe hasn't started yet, so we'll go Gabe, Connie, and then we'll finish it off with Valley and Mike. I think I might be in the minority for this one, but I'd like to see Casey be coach for one more year. Uh, you know, he came in first year. We had an all-NBA player on the roster, and we made the playoffs. And then immediately after that, uh, you know, we rebuilt for the first time in, like, who knows how long. And, you know, I don't know if Casey knew that this was coming, if this was a possibility, but he's been a soldier throughout. He's been a great mentor for these young kids. And one thing everybody says about the Pistons, we have some upstanding players. And I think that's a large part of the top-down effect of Casey being there for them, coaching them. Not always to be the best basketball players, I'll admit, but to lay the foundation to become uh, great people, which often translates to long-term success. And so next season, I want to see him be able to reap some rewards for what he's been going through, basically. You know, I don't think anyone expects us to win the championship next year. Maybe we make the play-in. And Casey is more than capable of dragging a team to the play-in. He, he brought the Raptors to the playoffs year after year. So, I mean, I'm all for him moving on after next season into, like, a front office role. I still think his mentorship is really valuable. But I agree, he's not the best X's and O's coach. But, again, next year, we're not we're not really in it to win it. So, let him have some fun with a winning basketball team. I 100% echo everything Gabe said. I'll keep it short because he pretty much said everything I was going to say. I just want to see Casey finish off what he started. He came in here. He has been a trooper through this rebuild. I just want to give him a chance to have at least some competent players and give him a chance to actually make something out of it. Uh, Connie, uh, your state, your status on Dwayne Casey. Uh, I'm going to have to take the mic approach with this one and say at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter next year. Uh, I could go either way. He could stay. He could go. We could put a new coach in. Um, I might lean. No, thinking about it. I'm since we were missing so many guys this year and we're unable to build real continuity with this squad. And I'm guessing next year there's going to be like at least a little bit of turnover for sure. There's going to be a top draft pick coming in and looking for his role in the team. I think it might be good to keep him around either as a coach or within the front office, still closely running to the team, sort of like in a, in a player uh, 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 development role, like John Beeline, just to sort of keep the, um, keep the track straight 
as, as we move from one year to the next. Um, I don't think that Casey is the long-term coach here. Uh, he's a little stuck in his ways. Um, those ways are pretty good, uh, but he is a little adverse to change. And that was even in his, uh, in his, his Raptors years. And the other part is that Dwayne Casey is 65 years old at this point. Um, not a lot of coaches uh, go to near 70 or up, nobody goes above 70, really. Um, it is just sort of becoming more, like Pop is the exception. Pop is 74. Pop is like the oldest, <laughs> oldest like NBA coach that I have known. Um, it is sort of becoming a young man's game. And I think Casey's almost aging out of it. Uh, I wouldn't mind him next year, but I think his 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 tenure as a at least a head coach might be coming to a close in the next couple of years. Fair enough. Uh, Mike and Valley, see if you can wrap this up quickly because I want to give you guys four minutes for Killian debate because we can't have a debate pod without Killian. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I can't say I've been here. Been the uh, I can't say I've been the biggest supporter of, of Dwayne Casey through all his years here, um, but I can't say I've hated him that much as well um, because he has brought this team to a decent spot in terms of player development. Like that that process has happened. I think he gets far too much criticism for the record part. Um, as Gabe said, we've had one half decent team, and I, I stress the half decent part. And he took that team to a, a decent season. Um, the following seasons were bleak. Um, I'm you know, maybe even surprised he won that many games the years after Blake Griffin's knee surgery. Um, so he gets far too much criticism off on that point. And when you look at it, this team has won 16 games. Um, and I, I, I'm going to note what Steve Novak, who is the Bucks com- one of the Bucks color commentator, he said, for a team that has 16 wins, Dwayne Casey gets this team to play hard as hell every single night. And that's absolutely true. Um, he values, you know, good morals. Same with Troy Weaver. Gabe touched on that. You know, we're building good people along with basketball players, and that potentially can translate in the future. Um, so I think he's a far too much criticized guy. And next year, he absolutely has the keys to the team. Um, it would not surprise me, though, the year after that, or maybe one year even after that, he chooses to mutually agree to go to a front office role. Um, I see that as a long-term outlook for Casey with his age right now. Mike, where do you stand? Um, I'm glad Connie is making a lot of sense here. Um, I think at the end of the day, I think it really depends on our draft pick, really. If I feel like if we have top three pick in the in this NBA draft, say I'm just saying, say we get Victor or Scoot, for instance, for examples, I think you would rather pick a younger coach, a new coach to coach instead of, you know, having, if you know, and if Dwayne's going to be out, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't really see much sense in having Dwayne coach the squad for one more year when we have like our top prospect and then, and then they just have a whole different coaching change the next year. I don't see it uh, making sense a whole lot. I'm not, I also don't really agree on some of the lineups that he really makes. And I, Valley was mentioned about like hard work. And I feel like we're all in an agreement that Troy decent general manager. I mean, he's not really falling off a cliff. I feel like he's smart enough to pick out a coach that can at least work hard. And I feel like it's not going to be a whole challenge to find a new head coach with, uh, that can find intensity and, uh, 
you know, helping players work hard. But, you know, it also depends on the head coaching vacancy, who's available. But at the end of the day, I don't think uh, Dwayne Casey should coach next year if if we have a top pick, which most likely will happen. You don't think he's earned that? Dwayne Casey. Like, he didn't sign up to rebuild the team. You don't think he's earned having the keys to one team that has a chance to make the playoffs again? Because the one time he was given that chance, he made the playoffs. Yeah, well, it's a business. It's, quite comfortable. it's a business. Okay. It's a business. Fair enough. You got to do, you know, things happen. Don't fall in love too easily, like Killian. All right. Well, perfect segue. Gabe had to leave us, and I know uh, Mike and Valley got to leave us soon too. So I will do this um, politics style. Connie, you got two minutes to diss on Killian Hayes as much as you want. Two and minutes. Not on, Come YouTube, on, man. not on YouTube. Two you're watching Connie Cut up during this, really. And then Valley, you get two minutes to rebuttal so let me get my timer out are you ready connie yeah on your mark get set blast killian hayes is in essence the worst possible not the worst possible a bad juxtaposition of a basketball player point guards whose best skill is passing but who wants to dribble 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 shoot uh, in the Bucks game in the fourth quarter, there were four straight possessions on on the deep, on the Pistons' offense. Four straight, four in a row, where Killian took the ball, got it from out of bounds. They scored. The Bucks scored on all those possessions, obviously, because the Bucks destroy us. Took the ball up the length of the court, dribble, 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 and then shot a mid-range jump shot. I think he was one. He hit one of them. He hit one of them. At no point in those four possessions did another person on the team touch the basketball. There's two guys, maybe in the NBA, where that's like an acceptable, uh, where dribbling and going to a mid-range jumper four times in a row without passing is an acceptable thing to do. And those are probably DeMar DeRozan and Kevin Durant. Um, I don't care how good you think Killian is or how he's only 21. He's not those guys. He just – he has certain skills that would make him a good connective piece, but he just plays basketball in a losing way. And if we go back to what I said about Eugene, where it's like if you don't have spacing in important games, it kills you. Killian is the negative spacing guy. The last play, there was one play with Wiseman. He waved off Killian Hayes to get Killian Hayes' defender and tried to play take Brooke Lopez one-on-one. Chris Middleton, when uh, Killian Hayes moved away – did not move from his defensive position and basically doubled Wiseman because he cared so little about the threat of Killian getting a pass out. How much time do I have? Three, two. Killian sucks. <laughs> oh, well, good point was, you added there at the end. Real, real beneficial <laughs> basketball take right there. Well, Valley, we got three, two, one, fire. You know, I'm not a, I'm not for a huge rush of time here because I can, I would love to come into this topic with a full set of uh, of preparation and stuff, but. Um, one place I would like to start with Killian Hayes is, is the thought that he refuses to feed bigs and doesn't feed bigs. I think that was true for a little bit of time, but I think that was kind of a, a feeling out period when we first acquired James Wiseman, because I think if you look close to the game right now, he, he looks in the post plenty of times. He throws plenty of lobs. I think he's been looking for the big quite a bit recently, and he's been doing a pretty good job finding him in the low block initially. Um, Yes, he takes too many mid-range jump shots without being efficient in them. However, I do think 
it's kind of him figuring things out and ultimately figuring out what his game is going to be because do that now because it doesn't matter now because our team is bad. See if you can become a more efficient mid-range shooter because, you know, he's good when he gets into that lane because he has a half-decent push shot and he, he is an incredible passer when he decides to pass. Um, so it's all about finding a way to get into that position, into the lane for him to make a problem. Um, and he's just weaning a few things out, seeing, you know, where where he gets comfortable. And I think ultimately the larger mold will, will take place. Um, and then finally, you know, ignoring percentages because percentages have been God awful. Um, he's been so fantastic at the defensive end. He's brought so much to us. I think he's honestly underrated as a defender. Um, he just strips the ball from people. I, I love that, that animation about him or whatever, but um, he can hang with some, a few bigger guys, maybe a few threes. Does a good job blocking shots as a point guard. But if you told me before the season, Killian Hayes is averaging 10 points, three rounds, and six assists a game, I'm like, okay, about what I expected. You know, I would have wished for better percentages, but it's honestly not the worst case scenario. Killian's good. Well, you had 10 seconds to spare, Valley. So oh, yeah. uh, I'll use it. <laughs> you want to say something real like sensible, like Connie did, like Killian's good or something? Or do you want to leave hey, it? Killian's really good if you're listening. Really good. He's really good. Um, right. Any of the fans can see. I'm wearing my Killian Hayes. Real jersey. quick, Valley, is Killian Hayes an above average NBA player? No, not right now. Um, I think there's facets in the game. He's in a very much an above average defender and playmaker, but the rest of this game, absolutely not. So ultimately, that makes him no. He's a below average NBA player. I'm not foolish here, but I <laughs> see the mold that could potentially come from him. And I like what I see from him in spurts. And 100%. Well, good thing you're going boxing. You get to take your anger out on a punching bag that's going to look like Connie. So if you guys are still listening, we really appreciate it. Thank you again to Mike for hopping on and filling in for Gabe once he stepped out. But uh, if you're on social media, we're at Buffs on Podcast on Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok, at Buffs on Pod on Facebook, and at Buffs underscore on underscore podcast on Instagram. Uh, if you guys want to hear a longer version of this Killian Hayes debate where each side has some time to dig into some data before they come in, let us know. We're all for it because the offseason is coming up. And what's the offseason for if it's not for arguing about players? Sorry, I would be damned if we don't say happy birthday, George. George Blaha. Blaha. Yes, happy sir. birthday. Happy birthday, George. Birthday. Going strong as ever. Talk about a guy who wants to retire. When he wins that championship, man. When he sees us bring us when he when he sees us lifting that chip one more time, I think that's time for him to retire. He wants to see it one more time. Hundred percent. I'm with that. So I'll end the pod with this. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting night of NBA basketball. Throw the buffs on Detroit. The future is bright.